What a week. It's been an interesting one. I mean, not more interesting than any other week because I live a very exciting life, but uh, it has been interesting certainly in different ways, right? <laughs> so, this morning, we are jumping back to the beginning of the story. I've gone through this story a handful of times. In fact, I've gone through it a handful of times with you. Uh, I have a very large uh, binder in my office that is the notes from all of our previous times through this story. It's actually a fun exercise to go back and look at what I taught the last three times when we hit Genesis 1-1. God's truth is never changing, and yet what's been interesting is to see how God's movement with us as a church and as a community and in our world has certainly changed over the last 12 years, right? And so because of that, I find myself clinging to this story in new ways, right? Uh, I found myself uh, gaining confidence in new areas of my life and my walk as I go back into the story again. So before we jump in, I want to remind you, you guys are smart people, you already know this. This is a reminder as to why we have this story. You understand this is a story, right? So through the story... There are a number of claims about truth and reality and history, but this is a story. Why do we have this story and why do we care about this story? We have this story to show us who God is. We have this story to show us who we are. And we have this story to to point us to the meaning and purpose of our own existence. Uh, If I look across this room here, two rooms, hello there in the back. Each person here is dealing with life on a number of fronts. Some of you this past week, maybe you've dealt with some relational challenges, maybe some parenting challenges, maybe some marital challenges, maybe some financial challenges, maybe some occupational challenges. In the midst of navigating a life that if we're honest with ourselves at times starts to feel like like. It is living us rather than we're living it, right? In the midst of all of that, in the midst of the decision-making, in the midst of moving forward one day at a time, one step at a time, it's going back to this, that we, as we, as we are careful students, begin to piece together what this is all about and why any of this matters. The more time you spend getting to know this story, 
the more expansive your view of God will become. He will grow bigger in your mind, in your awareness. The more time that you spend in this story, the more honest and humble and compassionate your view of of humanity will become, the world around you. You will see it more honestly, but more compassionately, and you will gain confidence as someone who walks in the light of God's love. This is a pretty good deal, right? So sidebar, you should study this story. It's got some really good things for you. As we go through the story this time, our fourth track through the story, uh, I want to help you. In fact, we're going to start on this this morning. I want to increase your awareness of how expansive the story is, meaning over time, you realize that Abraham, Abraham, thousands of years ago, had a conversation with God that you were included in. Isn't that crazy? That you were referenced in that conversation 4,000 years ago. You're part of this bigger story, and you're part of a timeline that far exceeds your own lifetime. So I want to expand that. I also want to expand your comprehension of how wide the story is, meaning this is a story that includes everyone on the face of the earth. So not just all of history, but all of humankind, all of creation is part of the same story. Thirdly, I want to increase your confidence as to how real the story is. These are not just fairy tales or myths that we use to console ourselves. This is the real story of an eternal God at work in our world. So, now are you ready? Genesis 1-1, you guys know it? In the beginning, that's where we start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created. Just making a simple observation of even the construction of that phrase, uh, we're led to believe that it's the beginning of something, but not the beginning of some other things, because in the beginning, there's already a character involved. In the beginning, there was already someone present, right? So what we're not saying is that in the beginning is in the beginning of God's existence, God didn't magically uh, come into being in the beginning. God's storyline certainly didn't start in this beginning. So what is it? In the beginning of what? In the beginning of our time, in the beginning of our world, It's the beginning of human history. It's the beginning of the material universe within which we live and exist. In the beginning, God set the story of humanity into motion. But we need to be clear about something. There was a few things already going on in the beginning. 
I've had a conversation reoccurring over the last number of years. It seems to come up about every two years where the next uh, child of mine down the line is overwhelmed to discover that I once had hair. You had hair? Like what kind of hair did you have? Well, when I was a high school senior, when, when Jenny was growing in her crush for me, I had very long, black, curly hair. I know, right? And for my children, and again, it seems like this is a conversation that comes back around where the next kid says, wait, you, you, had, you had what kind of hair? And they, need, they can't visualize, they can't visualize something other than this beautiful haircut that I have now, right? They can't visualize me in a different way, in a different form that existed before they did, right? Listen, kids, I had a life, right? There are some things going on in the beginning. So I'm going to read, I'm going to walk through really quickly six scriptures. And then we'll make a couple of observations about these. Six scriptures that specifically address in the beginning. Ready? Here we go. Titus 1-2, this is Paul speaking. The hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Paul says the promise of eternal life, the hope of eternal life that you cling to and value so much was a promise that was made by God to you before the beginning of time. 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul speaking again to his disciple, Timothy, speaking of Jesus who saved us and called us because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. God gave us purpose and grace. How? Through Jesus. When? Before the foundations of the world. That was already arranged. That was in motion. The book of Proverbs This is wisdom. Remember Lady Wisdom from the book of Proverbs? This is Lady Wisdom speaking. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. The wisdom with which God designed and set into motion our world had been established before the foundation of the world. Wisdom says, oh yeah, God and I were talking. We had a few conversations. We had decided some things and determined some things before the foundation of the world. Matthew 25, Jesus speaking in a parable. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom. Remember, we talked about that kingdom. The kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world, that that future kingdom that we look forward to, that was a great discussion, by the way. For me, it was. That Jesus is coming 
to rule, to reign, that his reign will be the only reign, that our whole experience will be him as king and nothing else, that his will will be the only thing done on earth. Jesus says, that kingdom, that future kingdom that you in your heart believe and in your mind you, you look to with anticipation, that was prepared for you in the beginning, before the foundation of the world. That was in motion. Two more, John 17, 24. Father, I desire that they also, he's talking, this is Jesus talking about his disciples, that they also whom you have given to me, that they may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. God the Father and God the Son in loving relationship before the foundation of the world. Last one, Ephesians 1, three through four. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Paul says there is spiritual blessing that has been made available to you through Jesus. And that whole plan was in place before the foundation of the world. So when we say in the beginning, what we mean is, is that there was a start to everything that God had purposed in his heart. There was a beginning point to his realization of that purpose in our material world, in our material existence. That's what began. God made into material reality what he had already planned and purposed in his heart. What he had already planned and purposed in his relationship to the son. Okay, so three quick observations, ready? Three quick observations as far as how this, for me right now, impacts the way that I move forward in my world today. First one is this, you are part of God's story. You have been invited to play a role in God's story. This is his story that he has put into motion. He wrote it. He set its first and final chapter, and he establishes every chapter in between. We, in our, from our perspective, discover the story that he's been writing, right? Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4 says this, I praise the Most High, I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the people of the earth are regarded as nothing, which doesn't mean that he doesn't care about them, but in regards to their collective power, they are nothing in comparison to God's ultimate power. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven 
and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? We are all part of God's story, his eternal, universal story. That's number one. I am part of God's story. Will, you're part of God's story. Colton, you're part of God's story. Shonda, you're part of God's story. Number two, his story is bigger than my role in it. His story is bigger than my role in it. When I was uh, 10 years old, some of you have heard me share this before. When I was 10 years old, we, we moved overseas from Homer, Alaska to the city of Manila, which is a little bit of a scenery change. Uh, city of Manila is uh, 15, 20 million people in the tropics. Um, and within a year of living in the Philippines, uh, we experienced the largest volcanic eruption of the, of the 20th century, uh, Mount Pinatubo. Uh, sorry, largest aside from St. Helens. Uh, massive devastation. And then there was an earthquake, a big one, which in an urban environment is very destructive. And then there was a civil war. We had at one point uh, rebel forces on one side of the compound where we lived, on the other side of this wall, they had taken over a residence. And then on the other side, we had military tanks driving down the street, hoping they wouldn't notice each other. And as a 10-year-old, uh, volcano, civil war, earthquake, I knew why all of this was happening. God was trying to tell my parents to go back to Homer, Alaska. <laughs> I was a little confused as to how they were not picking up on this very clear message, right? That is what a psychologist would refer to as an egocentric view, not egotistical, egocentric, meaning that the whole story is about me and my existence, right? All of these things are relevant so far as they're relevant to me, but the reality is God's story is much bigger than my particular role in it, and there's a confidence that comes from that knowing that he has more things going on than I'm aware of, infinitely more things. That he is accomplishing purposes that are far greater than I can even comprehend or believe. Isaiah 55, 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I've had uh, an experience many times where I'm sitting oftentimes with a young guy, and I remember being here myself, uh, a young guy that has run into some new life challenges. Um, maybe it's uh, marital challenges, maybe it's parenting challenges, maybe it's work challenges. But there's one message that I, that I hear uh, Many, many times. And I, again, I remember feeling this. And that is that these things, 
that I have run into are very unique, original, uh, out of the ordinary. And what always strikes me is how much in my heart I believe that they are not unique, they are not original, they are not new. What's new is your experience of these very common issues, right? The story that you're in is new to you, but it is not a new story. The overall story of humanity and God's involvement with us is much bigger than even my experience of it. In the beginning, God created. That's how my story began, not just how this story begins. That's how my story began. In the beginning, as far as it pertains to me, God created Aaron Weiser. My story has a fixed beginning. Your story has a fixed beginning. A point in time where I entered into the story of God. Where I came from dust into the grand redemptive story of God. And I was given, and this is the part that blows my mind, I was given the unbelievably consequential decision as to what role I will play in that story. Why am I here? Why was I created? and brought into the story of God. Against my will, I'll have you know, I was not consulted. Why did God create me and place me here in this time and in this place? Why did he place me here and what role am I called to play in his bigger story of all of redemptive history? In answering that question, the only guidance I can give you is to become more familiar with the story. That you would go into the Word of God, become more familiar with the story so that you can understand your role in it. Number three, last one. His power to create is as his power to complete. His power to begin is his power to conclude. The power by which he made everything, by which he created the heavens and the earth, is his power to bring it to its intended conclusion. That is true on a grand scale of human history, and that is true on the finite scale of your existence. Which is why Paul says, I'm confident of this very thing, that the God who began a good work in you, the God who in the beginning created you, 
He will perfect it. He will complete it. He will see it through to the end until the day of Christ Jesus. Chris, you can go ahead and come up. We should not talk and act as if God has been spending every chapter since the third chapter shocked by the plot twists. Remember what happened in the third chapter? Bad stuff from then on out, right? We should not live our lives as if everything after the third chapter has been an unpredicted set of outcomes. If you call into question the sovereignty and goodness of God every time that your server brings you the wrong entree, it might be time to grow up and mature in your understanding. And I would direct you back to God's word towards that goal. His power to create, his power to begin is the same as his power to complete in you the work that he began in you until we are reunited forever with him. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for uh, the purpose, the life-giving, real meaning that we find as we find our place in your great story of redemption. Know that you have given us wide latitude to make some determinations about the role that we will play. And I ask that you would give us grace to say yes to your invitation. To step into that story in the way that you have called, purposed, and designed us for Thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for the stability that we experience when we rest in you. Pray these things in Jesus' name.